Business diversification and expansion is a key growth strategy which permits all people of all abilities, regardless of background, to demonstrate their skills and abilities in a variety of different industries. For Terry Dry, he has more than 25 years of entrepreneurial experience and he knows a thing or two about creating an equal playing field for everyone to thrive. He describes himself as a future-facing marketer, entrepreneur, strategic advisor, CEO and coach who has grown, founded, and reinvented businesses for more than a quarter century now. As the founder of the Future Proof Advisors, he specializes in advising mid-market businesses and their executive teams on how to transcend barriers inhibiting growth and progress to achieve bigger and better results. He joined me this week to discuss his business journey, the state of small businesses, and so much more. I'm Kevin McShan. Let's have this conversation. So, Jerry, if you're ready, I'll welcome you to the program, and I'm excited to learn all about your business journey and what uh, keeps you busy these days out there in California. Thank you for uh, letting me virtually uh, travel down to California today, and it's great to see you. Great to see you, too. Terry, just before we dive into our discussion today, I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, the impact women have had on your life, because as you know, Marge is International Women's History Month. Um, <laughs> women have had everything, you know, from my mother, who I'm still super close with, and I love saying that I'm a mama's boy, to, um, to my wife and I have two daughters. So I'm surrounded by women. They mean absolutely everything to me. And uh, they're the lifeblood of everything. But I kind of think of all of us as kind of one spirit and one human race. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm grateful for all the women in my life. I, I can't even begin to say. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, I'm a mother's boy at heart myself. So we uh, share that same synergy for sure. <laughs> So uh, I tell you, without moms, none of us would be here, right? Absolutely right. Yeah, it's, uh, yes, very, yep. very fortunate. And, and also in my business life, like the greatest people around me have been women as well. So um, from great leaders to great people who work with me, um, just been very fortunate. Absolutely. Now, Terry, when we dive into your business journey, you describe yourself as a future-facing marketer and pragmatic visionary. So I'm wondering if you can uh, dive a little bit deeper into that for me. I will. I always feel embarrassed saying uh, visionary. It always feels kind of weird, um, but it's, uh, 
I've always been focused on the future. I've always seemingly had this ability to kind of see what's coming. And it took me till I was in my 40s to kind of accept, okay, maybe I really do have this, you know, maybe that's a skill that I have because I can see things coming around the corner from when I was in the music business to seeing what digital was going to do to it to starting a social media agency way before people even called social media social uh, to new strategies forward from business consolidation to new businesses. It's just kind of been my thing. So I, I, I like having vision, but I also like to add a level of pragmatism to it. So I'm not so out there as like a futurist or a future person that it doesn't, it's not applicable or it doesn't make sense to people. So I try to dumb it down primarily for myself because I'm not the smartest guy either. Well, it's always good to uh, surround ourselves with smarter people, isn't it? <laughs> totally. I, I would be nowhere without that. Absolutely. And now I know you're the founder of uh, Future Proof Advisors. Won't you advise uh, uh, mid-market businesses and their uh, executive teams on how to overcome barriers? And you know, uh, Terry, I live my life through a saying, saying that I've kind of coined is uh, inclusion is the gateway to independence. So I'm curious uh, to get your thoughts on, on how you help uh, companies uh, eliminate barriers to success. Yeah, I think uh, I, I love your slogan. I have kind of my own little slogan on that, which is uh, when it comes to barriers, it's just change is inevitable, but struggle is optional. And I like to work with entrepreneurs and people who kind of embrace this oh, change brings me this limitless opportunity and what, you know, and that's what change can represent. And so that's kind of where I try to go with this company. And, and it was born out of what I wish I had had when I had started my first company, you know, 15, 20 years ago, which is kind of creating this outsourced board of superheroes, of mentors, of people who could really help get a company go further, faster. And, um, that's kind of how I looked at it. Uh, it. Almost like if you know comic books, like the Justice League of America, you know? And Absolutely. You yeah. Walk in and go, I need that superhero for M&A and I need that superhero for um, operations. I need that person for business development. And I've kind of amassed this crew of like really special, talented, sort of C-level talent. And we all kind of share this mindset of how can we help the next companies? How can we help the emerging mid-market companies go further faster. And I identified this gap that I believe exists, which is the big fortune 500s have the huge consultant firms. And then every startup has all sorts of people who want to advise them because they're looking to jump on to like the next Facebook, the next Snapchat, the next whatever. And there's this kind of gap in the middle of these, of the future, really the middle market emerging companies, the next step companies and I wanted to be helpful to them because that's who I was. And so we set ourselves up as like, I almost call it like their secret weapon, their guide, their confident, and we're their confidant. And we're people who've been through the good and the bad and we practice what we preach. Absolutely, and I know that you uh, practice what you preach by starting your own businesses and yeah. sort of giving everyone want a chance to um, show their skills and abilities through uh, diversity. And I know that you have over uh, 25 years of business experience. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on the importance of infusing individuals with disabilities into the workforce. 
Yeah, I think it's such a major, major thing. And uh, inclusivity as a whole is key. And I think it's interesting when you bring up disabilities too, because as I said earlier, like I'm, I'm a meditator. This is the, the California that happened to me when I moved from the Midwest, but I became like a meditator and all those things. And I have these beliefs, you know, that, that we kind of all live as one. And um, it's, it's really important, you know? So in the workplace, it's like an inclusive workplace is really where everybody is accepted for who, accepted for who they are. And going forward though, you're like, there's a lot of people talking about race, gender and all this stuff on inclusiveness, but I'm not so sure you feel it as much when you talk about people with disabilities. You're, I almost feel like we're not hearing about that as much and we need to be. And my take on it forward is um, the one positive I'd say about COVID is it sort of, I call it like it accelerated the inevitable, which just you and I being able to talk right now through Zoom is sort of an inevitable evolution that just happened faster. And now, even with my own companies, I've got people working with me from New Zealand to Argentina to all over the world, and it works seamlessly. And I bring this up because sometimes what I always found, at least in my past, was some of the disability um, lack of inclusion was tied to physically having to come to a workplace or some limitations in that regard. And now I believe technology can really help be somewhat of a great equalizer, you know, and help overcome that. So I'm a big believer in it. And uh, I, I hope, and I'd be curious to ask you, if I hope that moving forward, it is feeling more inclusive because the ability is there. Well, I, I tell you uh, here in Ontario, uh, I used to work for the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and, uh, we did a study when I was there that found that 80% of accommodations for people with disabilities cost less than uh, $500. So I'm, my answer to that question, uh, to your question would be, if, if uh, companies are motivated to do it, they will. And I, when I wor worked with the Ontario Chamber here, I always told told employers, if you want to find a way, they'll find one, right? So. Yeah. I, I think uh, when we look at breaking down barriers, like you said, technology and through Zoom, uh, and it will, will open up more opportunities for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, but I would also say, because I do work with a lot of companies and I talk to a lot of companies, big and small, there's no question that inclusivity in general is just way higher on the agenda than it ever was, you know, and that's a really refreshing thing to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, if there was any uh, bright spot to the pandemic, Terry, I think it gave businesses uh, a chance to uh, reevaluate their uh, operation and uh, they would find if they hire people with disabilities uh, that uh, they stay longer, which uh, yeah. cuts down on overhead and training and that sort of a thing. So absolutely. And my next question for you has to do with small businesses, Terry. I don't have to tell you that they're the backbone of any economy. And as we get out of COVID, uh, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, I'm wondering uh, your, your, your thoughts on the key to an economically uh, strong uh, economy for um, small businesses. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... It's fertile ground right now. I think we've, it, it's been an incredibly wild ride here. 
And I think that economic recovery is coming. It's just a really strange situation when you see the stock market where it is, as high as it is, and then you see all that's going on. I think anywhere, I would be curious in Windsor if it's the same, but here in LA, you know, if I go to kind of like down the main strip here, there's so many boarded up stores, so many things have been closed, it's really sad. Yet, I always look at, you know, these, again, my whole point is change is inevitable. So you have to look at the opportunities that they present. And I would say here in America, the government has done pretty great things for small businesses from the PPP loans to really trying to help keep companies afloat. And um, I was joking with somebody yesterday because I was running a, my small business in 2008 when the economy crashed and there was no such thing as government help or free money. And I'm like, I would have killed for that back then because I was losing a lot of my own personal money in running my business. So I think that helps. I think the stimulus stuff helps. And I do think that uh, going forward, there's a lot of opportunity for small businesses to come up and change the world back to the accelerating of the inevitable. I think a lot of the big companies, it's very difficult to pivot. It's very difficult to adjust. So it creates tons of opportunity for small and mid-sized business. And that's what I've dedicated my career to right now is helping those companies future-proof themselves and, and help them grow and take advantage of opportunities. But my belief is we're going to see sort of a new version of the roaring 20s and it'll be different, but I think it'll be progressive and I'm excited for it. Absolutely. And just to answer your uh, previous question about Windsor and Canada, you know, no, <laughs> Windsor is a uniquely positioned because they're on an international border, right? And a lot of our uh, economy is based on the auto industry and with people not buying cars uh, because of the pandemic, Windsor has had uh, an opportunity to grow in both the technology and uh, other spaces because uh, obviously people aren't driving as much because they're staying at home. So I think uh, the, the ability to be nimble is very, very important, especially these days. I could uh, agree with you totally. And you're reminding me of a story when my brother and I drove from Chicago to Toronto and we got in a huge snowstorm there and actually slid off the road in Ontario. <laughs> so uh, you're, you just reminded me of that when you talked about cars, bad weather in Canada, but luckily we, we made it out okay. So I, I, I have a, a bad weather story in Toronto myself just before we move on. So I was giving a speech to a group of first year sports journalism students at Ryerson University and I had bought or I had been given a new wheelchair. It's called the Airhawk. And the, the Airhawk is uh, 41 pounds and it fits in the back of a car and it folds, right? And it, it's electric. So I didn't have to take my big electric wheelchair, which was great, but it was snowing in Toronto and uh, the smaller wheelchair didn't have the, the same horsepower that the big one <laughs> and I got stuck in the middle of the street in Toronto on my way to Ryerson University. Uh, luckily, I had my support staff there and we got me out of the uh, snowstorm and into the, the, the university in one piece. So there you go. Oh, wow. Well. So <laughs> story about getting stuck in the snow in Toronto, but 
I also want to know about RSVD, one of the, your digital uh, capacity businesses and all, all the good work that you did there. Yeah, that was my most recent venture. So uh, thank you for asking. And I love that story, by the way, and I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad we're both okay from our snow stories. Hence why I live in LA where there's no snow. Uh, so um, the, the uh, RSVD was sort of short for the idea of reserved. And what we were looking at was what's a problem we could solve. And we're like, people waste time waiting in line. And who needs that now? There's technology that can, can super serve this, you know, and can get rid of it. So we had this, you know, model with my future proof company of like, how do we build new ventures? And this was a way to like, how do we use technology to enhance and improve sort of the collective future for people? How do we make it better in this case? How do we give you your time back and you don't have to wait in line, but also for the, be the benefit of the businesses that use it, how can they project capacity, demand and all sorts of other things to help manage their crowd and make the customer experience better, which I have a whole, I guess my whole history has been on consumer engagement and customer experience. So um, we recently, we built this company up and then it was funny. So it was kind of like a Disneyland fast pass, like a white labeled version of that so that you could you know, plan your time. You're gonna go to any event or any store and then COVID happened and we realized we had a whole other ability here as we could manage crowds, we could manage capacity, we could manage lines. So we felt we could be of service as well. So we developed the business, we've got a bunch of clients. Um, we had a ton of happy people using it because they're like, this is awesome, you just saved me time. And there's nothing more fun than getting great customer feedback. And then just more recently, which I'm not even sure if you're aware of, we um, actually were able to sell the company. We had a much larger competitor come along that uh, we really, really like and shared vision. and it made a ton of sense. So we actually uh, had an exit and became part of another company called Y-Line who we think are terrific and uh, are building upon the mission. Well, I tell you, Jerry, uh, no one will ever uh, accuse you of not being forward thinking. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it, I try. I try my best. My daughter would maybe maybe contest that, but, but we'll see. Well, I mean, the women in your life are allowed to contest anything they right. want, right? So that's all right. Yeah. To keep the peace, uh, that's a good strategy to keep in mind. But I also know that uh, social media was a big part of your early career, and you founded Fanscape from a $10,000 investment, which grew into a multi-million dollar company. I'm wondering if you can share that experience and then your thoughts on the evolution of social media as well. Yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah, it was a great success. I learned a lot, you know, to say that that was sort of the first big venture, you know, and at the core, I learned sort of an entrepreneur, but the the um, process was pretty awesome of, uh, sorry if that's interrupting, um, of just building up a company. And um, we kind of did it the old style, you know, of uh, we wrote checks. I'll, I'll never forget the day I was writing a check for the first and last month's rent on this big office space. And I was all gung-ho to do it, Kevin. And then all of a sudden I looked and my hand was shaking. Like I was so nervous <laughs> writing this check and I didn't realize I was that nervous and I was, you know, so it, you know, it took a lot of sort of perseverance and guts and, and lots and lots of pivoting. And what I really learned a lot too was um, how do you build a business, you know, in sort of the real way of real revenue, real money, real clients and, and pivots and building. And I learned patience in the case of social media, you were bringing that up. 
we were really lucky. We were early on this front and it was because we were doing, we were coming out of the music industry and music lent itself to social media and digital really just early. So we were this online marketing company and then all of a sudden it kept growing and different properties came up, whether it was like we helped launch elements of MySpace and uh, my first employee went on to work at MySpace in the early years. So it was like, this was the kind of things that we were doing and it evolved um, from there. So we learned a lot about doing social, but we also just learned kind of core fundamentals of business too, of like, listen to your customers, always add value. And then we evolved and we evolved into big brands as they started to realize, what is this social media thing? We need it. And we were not only well positioned, but we actually were some of the few people who had experience and really understood how to do it. And so that helped accelerate us. And we grew, my God, we grew a lot, um, 600%, I think in six years. And uh, we had great timing as well. You know, uh, this happened about 10 years ago, we sold to a big agency holding company called Omnicom who were wonderful. And when you do that, it opens even more doors and we were able to grow and grow that much more. So lots of kind of core fundamental things there, like do your best, work hard, be a good person. Timing doesn't hurt either. Uh, timing in life is everything, Terry, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on, uh, as you know, yesterday, President Biden passed the American Rescue Plan and his $1.9 uh, trillion dollar, uh, price tag on the bill. So I'm curious to uh, get your thoughts on how that'll impact the business community, specifically uh, small businesses. Well, I think it, it will have a huge impact. I mean, the, like I was saying earlier, the government really is doing all they can it, it, when it comes to this, when it comes to financially keeping the economy propped up and specifically keeping small businesses propped up. There are so many businesses that we're working with and advising that have really benefited from the PPP program, as well as what's coming right now from what um, Biden signed yesterday, not only personally, as far as stimulus and things like that, but all of the different opportunities for small business and mid-sized businesses too. Like this isn't just small business. I mean, I've got uh, companies we've been advising that are mid-sized that we're getting well into the seven figures of government help um, to keep their companies moving. And that really helped them ride this out. So I think we're not out of the pandemic at all. It's still coming, but I think this helps accelerate the economy and accelerate the ability for companies not only to stay afloat, but also, you know, you look at it, if you keep people, you know, funded, if you will, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurial opportunity coming from people too, because maybe they did get laid off, but with the unemployment benefits, the stimulus benefits, maybe they have that little extra bit of time to start that business they always wanted to start. And so I think there's a great opportunity for small um, entrepreneurs to get started. Well, I'll tell you, Terry, um, this podcast started because I was about to start a job and my contract got suspended. So I, I uh, had some extra time and I started this podcast in May and I, I'm over 200 episodes in already. So there you go. I noticed that. I, I said, I was like, wow, he's prolific. I saw when I was looking at your stuff, you're, like, you're, you're good. Yeah. Well, you know, I before this started, Terry, before I started the podcast, I told myself there was only so much Netflix I could watch in a day, right? So <laughs> I, I needed something to uh, 
pour my creative energy into. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are like that. And I congratulate you on it because I think it's great what you're doing. And I think it's great. And the product itself is good. And it's enjoyable to be on here with you too. But it is yeah. fun to give back and try to help people. And you're probably feeling that too on the comments you might get of people being you know, inspired and or motivated by something that's going on here. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's all about paying it forward. But I want to go back to something we talked about earlier. You brought up uh, customer acquisition and, and engagement. So I'm wondering, as we move forward in this sort of new business uh, community, your Sparkman asks you, uh, what do you think about how the way we engage with customers or consumers is going to change? And how do you think uh, the cost of a customer acquisition will, will evolve as well? Well, I think... Um... If you engage and if you use technology, there's, it's beyond just engaging via personal connection, digital connection, but it's really also about listening. And so many people, as well as businesses, just forget to listen, right? They forget to listen to their customers. They forget to understand them. And if you focus on the engagement piece, which you're talking about, which technology has now accelerated the ability to listen, engage, and understand um, a consumer, then your cost per acquisition goes dramatically lower, plus your, your lifetime value goes dramatically higher. People just want to be listened to and people want to be understood. And there's everything from machine learning to AI. There's a lot of technology coming forward that gives you the more of an ability to understand your consumer. And there's really no excuse anymore as a business to not really you know, get to the DNA of your customers. And by the way, they'll tell you. If you just ask, you know, they want to help. And there's just a lot of people still kind of missing that. And it's funny in some of the companies we advise, even who are really successful with great loyal customer followings, there's still that much more they can do to understand their customer. And that's where I would say, when you start with that foundation, your cost per acquisition is going to go way lower because your targeting, your marketing, your advertising is informed by that. And it's so, so much smarter. And, and I know that you know, living out there in LA, that the Grammys are this weekend. And I know you started your career in the music industry. So I'm curious to ask you about your love of music and how you got started in music. Well, my fantasy growing up in Chicago was I wanted to live in warm weather and run a record company. So well, there you when go. I you live in LA now. So. Yeah. So I packed up the car and luckily got into college at, at, in LA and I started hustling, if you will, doing every job I could from selling t-shirts at concerts to interning at record companies. And I worked my way through, this is the nineties, which I always say like, that was like the last great decade in music before digital really changed it. But I had great experiences working at big record companies and I have all the fun stories that go with it. And then I managed bands and did all that stuff. And it was a wonderful time. I, music to me is super important, but what I learned is I got to that sort of dream level and I'm like, wait a minute, it turns out I want to own my own business. I didn't, I realized that, you know, once I got to sort of that dream job and I'm like, I like this, everyone's great, but I want to go down a different path. Um, but it was uh, wonderful and music is still like foundationally something that's so important to me and to my family. So uh, what uh, has been uh, keeping you 
interested in music this year. What are you listening to these days, Bonnie? Well, now it's fun because I have a sixth grade and a fourth grade daughters, right? So um, now it's so much more fun to like- They keep you updated. Yeah, it's totally right. Because all of a sudden I got out of it. You know, all of a sudden I'm like, I never thought there'd be a day where I didn't know every artist, you know, in the top charts, but that happens when you get older. And now um, it's so much fun with my daughters, but boy, we listen to everything. I think Billie Eilish is really big in this house with my daughter and Ariana Grande is really big and Taylor Swift. And I'm loving a lot of the pop music these days. And I love uh, just how music's been evolving as well, but a lot of pop music these days. And I'm trying to turn them on to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the British Invasion stuff that I think is so cool. And, and then artists like U2 and stuff like that. So slowly but surely I'm working some of my stuff in. Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, diversity comes in all forms, doesn't it? No question, yeah. We just had, uh, well, you're near Detroit. We just had Motown uh, night uh, where daddy, that's me, uh, tried to turn the kids on to Motown. So it was a lot of uh, Temptations, Supremes, Stevie Wonder. So that was really fun too. Well, my dad's originally from Detroit, so I grew up on Motown music. I love, I love that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely the best. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, as we wrap this up, Terry, I'm curious to ask you if you've given any thought to your personal or professional legacy. What do you want to be most remembered or defined by? You know, it's such a nice question and it freaks me out because it makes me think I'm old if anyone's asking me that question, but I guess I am middle-aged. But uh, I always, my kind of mantra is like, I always just want and hope that anyone or anything that I come in contact with um, were impacted for the better, that I was able to make their day better, their business better. And that's really what I want to do. I, I like being kind and helpful and bringing value and giving back. But I always hope that everyone and everything I touch um, was better off for it. Absolutely. And if people want to get connected with you, Terry, what's the best way they can uh, accomplish that goal? I guess the easiest way is probably through LinkedIn. Uh, Terry Dry, you know, I, I'm right there, easy to find. Or you can um, always send me an email, I guess, at Terry at T-E-R-R-Y at futureproof uh, G-R-P, short for group, Terry at futureproofgrp.com. But LinkedIn's probably the easiest way. Uh, yeah, and we uh, connected on one of these new social media platforms uh, called Matchmaker, which makes yeah. my job as a podcaster a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I agree. There's so many different ways to connect, but yes. Yeah, I always tell people that life is a constant game of connection, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, hey, Terry, I really want to uh, thank you for a fun and engaging conversation and for taking my questions this afternoon. It's always great to see you, and I want to thank you for your time. It's most appreciated. Thanks, Kevin. I feel the same way. I appreciate you reaching out to me, and I appreciate the time, and it's just so nice to chat with you here. And stay warm. Uh, you know, we're about a week and a half away from baseball, which makes me very, very excited. Awesome. Is that yeah. Tigers or Blue Jays? Uh, you know, sadly, uh, uh, my Canadian friends are not going to be happy with me. I've been a Tigers fan for a very long time. Fair and enough. I kind of I uh, got uh, groomed into that and being a Lions fan. So it's one of, uh, <laughs> you know, on sports radio... <laughs> around here, Terry, we're being uh, told to embrace the rebuild with all four <laughs> of our 
of four major sports teams because it's a yeah. rough time to be a Detroit sports fan. These days. That's true. I'm thinking about that. That is true. Uh, that is true. But it'll come out of it. That's that city's had a ton of success, so I know it'll be all right. Absolutely, Terry. I want to thank you for your time and for being here today. It's most appreciated. Thanks, Kevin. Stay in touch. I appreciate it all.